WFH with two guys. Now here's Benny and Dennis. When I started my business a gajillion years ago, Dennis, I was really focused on a few things. Sales, understanding my product, understanding my clients. And of course, you know, when I started doing all this stuff, I was just going to have just all this money and we'd figure it out and take care of it later. But I learned that there's really a good time to get involved in payroll and understanding the numbers of your business and paying yourself, even if you're a solopreneur, that this is important. It's vital. I totally agree. I mean, it's one of those ones you, you kind of take for granted. And I know when I started my business 10 years ago, you know, we had partners and we were, and then eventually the partners faded away. It was just me. I didn't have employees for a while. So it was pretty easy. But then all of a sudden we introduced employees and it's like, whoa, there's all kinds of stuff that the state requires. It's like, I thought that was all for big companies, but it applies to the guys that have one or two employees as well. So Benny, I think today you've invited John to be our guest to talk about payroll and things that people just take for granted. Yeah, um, it. It's it's a it's an important part of business, and I think that I really asked John to come on because I think that especially as business drivers, we overlook it, and there's a lot of things, there's details associated with it that you know I'm busy trying to drive my business. I don't have time to think about payroll and what all that means. But John, tell us a little bit about why why is payroll so important? I'm a small business owner, maybe you know even up to a couple hundred people. Why is, you know, payroll, ah, you know, we just take care of it internally or whatever, but what's, what is payroll? What does all that mean, John? Indeed. Thank you, Benny. Thank you, Dennis. And um, yeah, I'm John Bacon, uh, the founder and president of PayThrive. I'm a payroll broker. And so I represent about 25 or so different uh, companies across the country. And I'm in the Denver area like Benny. And uh, yeah, payroll, everybody's uh, favorite subject, maybe not the business owner as much as the employees, but it is a requirement. And uh, if you ignore payroll, it will be at your peril. And, um, you know, it, it, people, payroll hits people kind of at different points in their business cycle. Um, I know this time of year, many people are kind of looking to 2022 next year as a, a time to launch their business or take it to the next level. And COVID has also created uh, the need or opportunities in some cases for some people to launch home-based businesses. Mm -hmm. And so um, there are some things, there are some signs of, of when it's time to launch payroll for your business and there are ways to do it right, kind of the when and how to launch payroll. And um, I, I will say, first off, I am not a CPA or an enrolled agent, and I highly recommend that all business owners work with one, especially when launching a business. Mm -hmm. As a broker, as a payroll broker, I do not give advice on what types of what type of business entity to choose. An accountant or a business attorney can assist people with this. But right. um, you know, when you've launched your business and maybe you're a sole proprietor. And now you've got a, a federal employer identification number or what we call an FEIN. That could be a sign that it's time. Um, you may have formed an S corporation or you've elected to have your IRS, have the IRS treat your LLC as an S corporation, mm -hmm. what they call the S corp election. Um, maybe your CPA has suggested that you need to start doing payroll 
And that might be based on how much money you've made or are projected to make. And that, that's a good thing. Yeah, but that's was a, my, my, my CPA got yeah. me for that. He said, you got to start doing this. Yeah. So I'm sorry, John. <laughs> no, and it's true. But then a lot of times the CPA would say, and don't even look at me. I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. they got exactly. other fish to fry. It's not right. always the CPA's favorite subject. So maybe then it's time. I know from experience, I had two part-time employees. And so they were, we were below the threshold of what you had to pay monthly. And so we were paying quarterly. Well, then they go full-time and I didn't realize as a small business that guess what? Now you got to pay monthly. And all of a sudden I started getting these invoices from the IRS that I owed back dollars and they're not afraid to charge 10% of what you missed to pay. And Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden that thinking I was going to save myself some time and effort turned into quite a bit of expense that if I'd have had an expert working with me on payroll would have been a lot easier and life would have been so much more simplified. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're, you're preaching to the choir here and you're, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, payroll is simple until it's not. And, and, you know, you set up an FEIN with the IRS and you're on their radar and it's a ticking clock and eventually, you know, payroll will, will occur, um, in that could occur in that instance you mentioned. Yeah. That's a classic situation. You're the sole member of an LLC. So you're not an employee of your business. You don't have a reason to do payroll. You, you do quarterly, you know, estimated tax payments, which are not convenient per se, but that's the way it's done. But then, you know, or you've had 1099s working for you and now you decide to convert one to an employee because you want to make sure you can control the work they do when they work. And now you have a payroll obligation, or maybe you've converted all of them to employees because the department of labor, you know, has told you that's what needs to happen. And, you know, there are also, that kind of gets into the how and and the how of registering payroll. I would say the first thing pretty much in any state I can think of, and it varies state to state in the country, but mm-hmm. registering your business with your state is the first step because usually in most states, you can't get to that next step of setting up state tax accounts without starting with your business registration equivalent in Colorado. It's a secretary of state, other states, it could be wrapped up into their department of revenue, register your business, set up a business bank account if you haven't done so yet. Um, and ideally one dedicated for just payroll drafts. So you can kind of keep the traffic to a minimum. It keeps things neat and clean. It's not a requirement, Mm -hmm. but if it's going to be a bank account that has a lot of activity going on, you're going to have to manage the fact that you can cover payroll because if you bounce payroll, you will end your payroll vendor relationship pretty quickly. <laughs> and <laughs> um, and you'll, you'll lose some of your employees probably. Too, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, well, bouncing checks or really bouncing tax payments. Yeah. You've got liability coming from two directions, no doubt. And, um, and then- Can that be with the same bank, John? It's out of curiosity. Do you prefer two different banks or? No, that's a great question. You know, honestly, for practicality's sake, I, I mean, some people look at setting up a payroll account as a way to test drive a new bank, but mm-hmm. practical, practical, you know, from a practical standpoint, I think having it with the same bank means you can move money super easy, get on your portal, move money from the main operating account to the payroll account okay. and be done with it to cover right. payroll. So okay. keep it simple would be my advice. Gotcha. Um, you know, you'll also want to discuss a reasonable salary with your CPA. And sometimes that's called a payroll plan. And that, but understand that that is something that you have flexibility with in terms of paying yourself. 
how much, um, how often, if you skip a payroll or two, the key there is cash flow. If you don't have the cash flow, don't run a payroll or bad things will happen. I mean, it seems common sense, but sometimes people feel obligated to run payroll no matter what. And honestly, if things are tight, wait a month, you know, wait until the money is there. So that's, always- a, that's actually a good point right there, because one of the things that I've heard, John, and, and I'm sure you've heard this many times, is that, hey, I'm, I'm fairly new or, or with COVID, I had a little downturn in my business and my the cash flow isn't where it is. Those are opportunities for you to kind of evaluate and be able to pause those type of things. There's there's really not a good time for you to really be pushing payroll when you when you really don't have that cash flow. So th- that's something that you should be aware of as a business owner, right? Just well, kind of monitoring that. It, so on that, let me clarify too, because that there there are some assumptions there, and that's a great question. So when I'm talking about cash flow, when I said wait a month. It's if if it's just you, if you're the classic startup, small business, one person S corporation, then yeah, you've got all the flexibility in the world because you mm-hmm. can run payroll when you have the money, when you've gotten paid by your you know your clients. Um, but if you have employees, then that's a different story. That mm-hmm. is something that you need to take very seriously and really kind of plan it out. Make sure you have that cash flow. But paying your employees is extremely important delaying having regularly regular recurring payrolls is you know state and federal law and you need to not mess around with that i mean obviously if the money isn't there if there are other things going on that that's a a larger issue Mm -hmm. that you know um you and your cpa or uh you know fractional cfo can help you get out of that issue john john another question i've got i mean so many companies, you know, especially if they've got four or five employees, maybe they're all in the same state. But what happens now if I've got an employee because of COVID, they've decided to move to a different location because we're not all going to be in the office together? What do I do? How do I do that? Yeah, that is a, a classic situation more so now with technology, remote workers and so forth. Um so the beauty of federalism in the United States is that every state approaches it differently. And so there is no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Some states, you know, I, I've had clients that have been consultants that have worked on site at a client's uh, location two weeks out of every month, every month after month. And that state um, wanted no tax dollars, you know, no tax filing. They didn't really care. And some states... Um, you know, kind of some of the usual suspects, maybe on the West Coast, um, are more interested in those tax dollars that uh, if you do a little bit of work, you could have an obligation right out of the gate. And so with employees, you know, it varies state to state. Generally speaking, if people are are living in a different state and working for you, um, there w- could potentially be, almost should expect to have some filing obligation in that state. Um you know, whether it's a full-blown, you know, unemployment and state income tax filing obligation or just on their own personal taxes, they will have to, you know, have a, additional tax filing happen. Yeah, it is a state-by-state thing. And I would defer to your CPA or a payroll service to help you figure that out because that's what they do. You actually touched on something earlier, John, that I thought was a really interesting point was 1099, right? And so from a small business perspective, I go and I hire, say, a virtual assistant, or maybe I contract a worker to help me. You know, if if I have a you know a lawn service and they're going to just kind of do some work for me here and there, 
when do we consider looking at transitioning somebody from a 1099 to actually W-2, you know, they, they actually need to be on the payroll. Are there certain markers or cues that the government's going to say, you know, this is, they are really not a 1099. They shouldn't be paid as such. They're an employee of yours. What are some things that, you know, we, we should be aware of? Because as companies grow, we need to start making those transitions. Yeah, great question. And, and let me couch this by saying I, I'm not an HR consultant or, um, you know, an employment attorney in any given state. But there are some general guidelines. First off, I would say um, it's always good to, to look at what the IRS thinks about this. That's a starting point. Second thing would be to look at your individual state and research it at the state level on your Department of Labor or equivalent website, um, employment, you know, workforce, whatever your state calls it. But your state agency that deals with, um, you know, work worksite or employer regulations in that regard, see what they say. Some states are more aggressive than others. I know Colorado generally has a, a point of view, like a lot of states, that they're, your workers are essentially employees until you can prove otherwise. Mm. So their default is employees. And, you know, they there are reasons for that. But um, in, generally speaking, 1099 is somebody who I always tell clients, don't look at it as a convenience issue. That's a bad idea. <laughs> Like, well, I don't want to deal with taxes. I'm just going to 1099 them. <laughs> not a great long-term strategy. That, that's now, not the way to run a business. But are, but, but I think there, many of them do that. Many yeah. people do this. Well, are there there are industries where 1099s are common? Obviously, you know, even like hairstylists, booth renters, people that rent a booth at a hair salon and are not employees of the business. It's not unusual at all. But. Mm. When you have a 1099 working for you, the main thing is that these people, these workers, because uh, sometimes people use the term 1099 and employee synonymously, and they're not, they're, they're separate things. Um, they're, and 1099 is somebody who's truly independent, somebody who potentially is working for you and your competitors or other businesses like yours, somebody that you know probably essentially has their own business whether incorporated or just a sole proprietor and an FEIN. So somebody that truly looks like a standalone business um, or business owner, as opposed to just an individual. Hmm. Yeah, individual, that's somebody that you probably better look deeper into that. Yeah, I, I've had a couple of conversations with uh, some different folks and uh, the, the Fed don't like when you try to, flight the system and yeah that's and, really and, and Benny here's the challenge they're not real quick to get to the information quickly but they come back so I mean oh yeah they can come back two three four years after the fact so yeah. it's like don't think you've got away with it that they're not looking at things and you know they ask lots of good questions and they have lots of good data points that they can research back and try to see that x plus y should equal x plus y on the other side of the equation hmm John, when we think about, you know, what are some of the, the steps, the logical steps, and I think you've got lined a couple of different ideas. Are, are there certain things that we need to prepare or as I'm a business owner, what do I need to be doing for my, you know, I'm going to hire an employee. I'm actually going to bring them on. What are the, some of the things that just need to be taken care of from a paperwork standpoint? What does that look like? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, to your point, great question, Benny. You know, any any employees who are going to be 
any people who are going to be on payroll as employees who are going to have taxes withheld, because 1099s, you don't withhold taxes, right. but employees you do, um, when you, you're going to need to have them fill out you know, your basic employment forms, the you know, IRSW4, the, the USCIS um, I-9, Form I-9. You also mm-hmm. might have state-based employment forms. So keep in mind, there could be state forms equivalent of that. Um, you also, you know, if you've never done payroll under your business entity ever, under the one that you've got people hired for, then you probably need to set up state tax accounts. There are seven states that have no state income tax, you know, Alaska, Florida, Nevada, South Dakota, Texas, Washington, Wyoming have no state income tax. They just have state unemployment. The rest of us have state income tax. So we have two tax accounts in Colorado to set up state unemployment and state income tax. Those other seven only unemployment, but you got to set up those tax accounts for the dollar for the tax dollars withheld have to go there. Um, And unemployment is generally an employer paid tax and state income tax is an employee tax. And you also might have a local payroll tax. You might have a city, a county, a school district, like in Ohio, they have school district taxes. Those are local payroll taxes. You got to potentially set up an account or begin remitting, look into that issue to that municipality. And, and John, I had an employee in Ohio and it's not easy to figure <laughs> out what they are because we, they lived in one yep. city, but the school district was something else. And they, the, the employee didn't even know it was total chaos. Yeah. We, we, we like to pick on Ohio. It's a beautiful state, but yeah, some of the East States, uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, some of the Northeast taxes get a little more complicated. It's just the way the lay of the land. Yeah. So John, um, so if I'm in a business owner, that broker that you're representing, why why do I go to a broker? What's the, what's the benefit for me as a business owner? Well, a payroll broker like myself with PayThrive, what we try to do is to you know give good advice, remove the conflict of interest of one you know a salesperson saying I have one solution to offer you and it's the best one because it's all I have, right? And so right. you kind of remove that captive aspect to it, and you give people choices, and you pull yourself out of that and help them. F- pick the right solution for them, the right fit. Um, but in the end, you know, you're trying to bring your clients to an expert, let an expert do your payroll and seeking out a, a reliable service. Honestly, guys, most of the companies I work with are smaller independent service providers. I love those kind, right. not nothing against the big box companies. We all know who they are. I'm not going to pick on them. You know, they are success stories from a business standpoint, but doing business with companies like that, you tend to be forgotten in the shuffle. They don't know your name. There's horrendous turnover sometimes in service personnel, and it can be frustrating. Smaller companies tend to know who you are, want to do work harder to keep you happy, want to keep you around, and they tend to do more. They're more flexible generally. So I love bringing people to smaller payroll providers privately held. Those hmm. are some awesome. of my favorite ones to recommend. The, uh... Well, this is, this is great information, Benny. I mean, because it's yeah. one where especially small businesses, you kind of forget this. Um, a lot of times you think it applies to the big guys, but it does, it applies to everyone, even if you have just one employee. And so it's true. Yeah. The truth of it is, is that this is all part of owning a business, right? We all, when we started out, started out our businesses and they've grown, 
we're excited. That's we get excited about this. This is the kind of stuff that I prefer to let the experts handle. I don't want to have to deal with all this stuff. What payroll's not exciting? Come on. <laughs> you know, I, I know that in, in some circles, John, and, and maybe you're in that, you know, that payroll is a sexy thing to be, no, <laughs> to be involved I wouldn't with, but... use that word necessarily, but <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the great thing about it is is that we have people like John that are a- able to take this. They can decipher this. They know exactly how to take care of it. John, for anyone out there listening in our audience, how is the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate that. Um, they can reach me. Again, my name's John Bacon, B-A-C-O-N, and I'm the founder and president of Pay Thrive. And they can call, I've got the 800 number, 844-244-9480 or they can email me at info at paythrivebroker.com or go to my website. And there's a lot of resources on the website, a lot of information, paythrivebroker.com. John, this has been informative. It's a part of business that a lot of us really don't think about too much, but it's, it's super key and super important. So thanks much for spending time with us today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us, John. Have a great day. You've been listening to WFH with Two Guys. We'll see you next time.